0: Mm -hmm. Portfolio decisions cut across functional boundaries and it threatens power and control for certain uh, leaders. This is a cross-functional process. Uh, So if I'm the manager of, of one function, I don't want to give up my resources to that higher priority project. That's where the process will start to break down. So this is, this is really cross-functional because, uh, as we know, innovation product development is inherently a cross-functional process. So this kind of pulls it all together and we need to make decisions what's best for the company based on what our strategy is, what we said we would do, versus yeah. one functional silo favoring what they want to do over, over another
1: Welcome to Innovation Talks. Join us weekly as we discuss with distinguished industry guests how to refine and improve corporate innovation and new product development. Hosted by Paul Heller, Sophion Chief Evangelist. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us again. We wanted to talk a little bit today about portfolio management. it's, It's essential. If you want to execute on strategy, if you want to enable any kind of transformation of the type of innovation you do or business transformation, business model transformation, if you want to handle unexpected change and disruptions that are hitting all of us these days, if you want to make good business decisions with confidence, you really uh, need a, a portfolio management capability in your company. So who better to help us through that than our old friend, Noel Sobelman. Noel's agreed to join us and talk about that a little bit. Noel, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, Paul. Uh, Great to be back on Innovation Talks. Uh, I think this topic we're going to dig into today is very relevant just i I see I, I work with many different large corporates and there's you know for the past few years it's all been about grow 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 mm-hmm. and now it's more about productivity we know we've got to be careful about bringing on new headcount in many cases we're lowering the number of yeah. resources for innovation and product development so how do you get the most out of out of what you have that's yeah. that's about productivity how do you get the output you're looking for when that capacity is certainly fixed. And in some cases it's going down. So productivity is, uh, it's tough to do that well if you don't have a good portfolio management discipline.
1: Yeah, you you bring up a good point. It is a real challenge now. We look at uh, companies hesitant on where is the uh, economy going, right? A lot of all of a sudden people being let go in some companies, some big companies. And so there's a lot of hesitation and you're absolutely right it's it, it's it's right there and uh, portfolio management is, is and understanding your resource is a key part of it so
0: yeah it, it's a it's a dynamic environment for sure lots of uncertainty not only in the innovation space but in your core business uh, yeah. there's just lots of uncertainty and when things change a lot you need to constantly kind of picking your head up, looking around and, and rethinking your strategy. And then that that needs to fil- filter down or translate down into what projects we invest in and how yeah. do we invest? Do we change yeah. our, our investment mix? Um, and that's that's really what that portfolio management discipline does. It connects strategy to execution, which is, as you pointed out.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So
0: it, it's certainly a, an important uh, business discipline. And uh, the other thing that I think makes it important. It's it's not just about strategic balancing, but also there's this th- operational side of portfolio management. You're managing for how do we improve our throughput? Yeah. How do we make sure that we have, not just loading up our pipelines for development to capacity, but how do we make sure we're working on the most valuable things and that we get them to market sooner rather than just kind of loading up to capacity to the point where we have lots of bottlenecks and lots of churn. Pipelines. So yeah. throughput management is, a, is an important outcome of a strong a company that that does this well.
1: Yeah, and, and it's surprisingly hard to do well. It's it's really uh, a challenge for many organizations. No, what would be some of the core symptoms you're seeing of of uh, of poor portfolio management?
0: Well, overloaded pipelines to start with. So mm-hmm. um, I'm working with a client right now where they just don't know how to say no.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: that's one symptom and when you have overloaded pipelines you have like i mentioned constraints and bottlenecks and your your throughput suffers with really your the vitality of your ability to consistently launch new products into the market is is affected yeah um, there's typically a chronic bottleneck function it's not always engineering or r&d it might be quality it might be regulatory affairs those support functions that are assigning people to multiple projects, if they're squeezed, then that becomes a, a bottleneck, and the overall pipeline suffers. Yeah. The other one that I, I see way too often is that the annual plan becomes the port they, is kind mm. of the portfolio management process for too many companies, yeah. and so they they set they have their annual operating plan towards the end of the year, and they set their project priorities and their strategic direction. At the beginning of the year, and then they execute throughout yeah. the year. But yeah. The world's just changing too quickly for that. You need to revisit that strategy and revisit that uh, your investments throughout the year. Yeah. So that's where a, a quarterly, or in some cases, a more frequent review of your portfolio needs to happen yeah. because the world's again, the world's just changing too quickly. So that that's just too dynamic a process. Yeah. The last one I think I'll mention here, in terms of a common symptom, is just underfunding the the front end, underfunding ex- exploration, that customer discovery. So you're continuing to fill the the pipeline with promising new ideas. So that's that's an important one, just to create the vitality. It's it's you know a lot of those early explorations might not make it and be approved for funding, but you need that vitality at the front end to make sure that you're an innovative company and you're yeah. thinking about the, the the future and under underfunding that is a problem. I think yeah. companies are thinking about changing their mix of how much they invest in longer term kinds of more transformative products, but, but certainly don't cut it off completely. You, you definitely don't wanna mortgage your future.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think those are three great challenges. You watch companies, they're really, you know, many companies struggle with, well, everything's a top priority. Everything's number one, right? It's just, it's all one, 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 one. It's very difficult to put something further down when you don't have enough information about it. You don't understand how it fits. And and then your, your point of the set and forget it mentality, you know, if it's if it's really hard to do an annual plan, to get the data together, to try to organize it, to try to understand it, and you only do it once a year. That's, that's, that's a real challenge. I agree with you on that one. And I like your underfunding the front end. A lot of it is, well, we can get some ideas, but how do we vet those ideas? How do we, how do we test, learn? How do we understand? So discovery is, is more than just, well, I got an idea, right? It, there's, there's more to it than that. I think those are three great examples of, of challenges that result in poor portfolio management. So thanks for sharing those.
0: Yeah. Just to reemphasize on that exploration piece, the idea is to quickly de-risk those and identify you know, what are the unknowns So, and not to spend a lot of money and invest a lot up front because we, we can't pick the winners. We just have to very quickly and, and cheaply really validate that there is a problem that we're solving and, and our idea or our solution is going to solve that problem and it's an important unmet need for the customer. Um, and, and that, that doesn't mean spending a lot of money. Too often companies spend a lot of money and they build too quickly b- before they validate. So that's yeah, uh, right important, important discipline yeah. to keep in mind.
1: Yeah, so 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 difficult. Well, Noel, how would you suggest a company go about building a good portfolio management capability? Are there things people can do? Are there some common common things that, that stand out?
0: Yeah, I can t- I can take you through having done this many times with large corporates. It typically starts out by understanding where your performance gaps are today. So understanding what, what elements of a portfolio management s- system are we doing well that are well-defined and where, where some of the problems are. You can ask yourselves, you can ask your leaders certain questions like, does our development mix match our business strategy? Or uh, if we do everything that we've invested in, will we achieve our, our growth targets or will there still be a gap? Are we eliminating some of those dormant or low-value projects from our portfolio? Are we making significant investment in new technologies and and that discovery work we talked about? Are there too many project slippage? If if some of these are happening too frequently in your organization, then that that should raise some eyebrows and those are symptoms that you have some chronic problems in in, in your process. So the first Mm -hmm. step is really to get leadership and everybody on the same page as to the why? Why do we need to improve this capability? Why is it mm-hmm. important to our, our success? And tie that to your your higher level strategies. So, yeah, getting that top down buy in, that leadership support is important. But once you once you have that underway, and you kind of get some ideas on what good portfolio management looks like, you just need to roll up your sleeves and start designing and and rolling out a new system. And that system, there's different elements to that system, and I can kind of Take you through some of those. So, for example, you need to define what's the scope of our portfolio. What are the boundaries of the portfolio mm. we want to manage? Do we want to start with ideas, or would you start once an idea is approved and becomes a concept? If you kind of tie it to your your gated development process, do we want to take it all the way through first customer ship, or do we want to manage projects that are still ramping up and scaling, or do yeah. we want to manage more than that? Do we also want to include operational initiatives that? Don't touch the customer in our portfolio. So defining the portfolio scope is important. The other thing you need to do, another element, is the the definition of a project. Mm. So what is (laughs) what is that what is that the definition of that unit of measure that we're going to use to to make trade offs and figure out how to invest? So it's it's surprising to me often you know at companies they you have to ask do do we all mean the same thing when we say project or program? or platform does that do we have clear definitions of what those are how do we handle continuous release agile software projects what is a nested project so getting the common definitions the common terminology is important for communicating for figuring out what is that unit of measure that we're going to yeah. we're going to make those decisions about and then what's included in the portfolio what are the, they call it inclusion criteria is this project significant enough to warrant a portfolio analysis so what we'll typically do is we'll We'll agree on what is it could be either it has to pass a certain revenue threshold or maybe a a resource threshold before Mm -hmm. we will include it in the portfolio. Otherwise, we'll just we won't worry about it so much because it's just it's small potatoes. So figuring out what that inclusion criteria is, is going to be important. The governance of the system, you need clear roles and responsibilities for data analysis and decision-making. What's the review cadence? How often, how frequently throughout the year we, do we want to review the portfolio? So governance is an important element. And then portfolio structure, what, how are we going to architect our portfolio to ensure that alignment? What are the strategic buckets and how do we ensure that we're aligned at all different management levels? And there's different, different models for portfolio structure. How are we going to manage resources is another one. You know, what are the different resource pools we want to group together and make decisions on and, and analyze supply versus demand? Uh, there's your portfolio views. There's your evaluation criteria. So evaluation criteria, what are the metrics we're going to use to make those decisions to prioritize our portfolio or to select new projects? And then how are we going to portfolio views? How are we going to, what are the different reports and uh, or views that are they're going to support your portfolio analysis and decision-making to kind of, how do we characterize our portfolio? So there's there's a number of different ways to, to kind of slice and dice the data to inform decision makers. So let's agree on what are those seven or eight charts that we want to put yeah. in front of the decision makers to help them make sure that we do have strategic alignment and we have the, the portfolio that is, aligns to our strategy. So I've kind of just rattled off a bunch of the different elements of the system. Yeah. But when I'm working with clients to implement this, we sit down with each one of these uh, elements and we'll we'll start with, okay, what does good look like? What are some of the leading practices? Or let's take evaluation criteria, for example. Do we need a scoring model? Do we want to use financial criteria? Do we need evidence-based method to incorporate evidence into our decision-making? And just getting agreement about what are the, the metrics we're going to use to prioritize our projects. And then we'll tailor each of these elements to, to the organization and the culture and the, the dynamics of that mm-hmm. particular organization. So it's it's a very hands-on kind of workshop kind of approach where we're designing each of these elements and then quickly piloting them uh, and bringing them together and actually running through a cycle where you're collecting the data, analyzing it, making decisions using your your new governance structure, exercising that. so you have an analysis team that's crunching the numbers. they might go to a port in a portfolio review, they're going to go to the decision makers who are going to make decisions. So you're you're trying to move away from status updates at portfolio reviews to make them more decision focused uh, forums. Yeah. So there's ways to do that, ways not to do that. So we kind of exercise the process, learn from it, and then and we start this path of continuous improvement and maturing yep. the different capabilities. But it starts with clearly defining those eight or nine different elements I was talking about.
1: Yeah. So you you kind of go through this exercise to evaluate those nine different elements and then put a map together, right? Because I, I think taking all nine at once is is probably difficult for many companies. So there's a there's a map, there's a journey here, isn't there?
0: There is. So you're kind of taking them one by one. And typically, we will pull together a cross-functional core team. And we all also, in a large company, one of the things that we'll do is we'll pick one business unit in the company and we'll actually go through this exercise of designing and piloting a this new process and get it working in that one business unit before we leverage that to another business unit and then another business unit. So you got to be careful not to try to boil the ocean. This can get an implementation can get really complex really quickly. I found it's better to pick up a significant business unit, demonstrate success. That'll create pull for change where other business units will say, Hey, we want, we want, we need that. We want that as well. And then you roll it out in another business unit or another segment of the company.
1: Yeah, makes total sense. Makes total sense. I was reflecting on the, the first thing you said, Noel, which was the why. And I think you phrased it as you know understanding where your performance gaps are today. In your experience, is that a subjective? Do you need evidence behind that? or Or can it be just, hey, I think this is what we're doing right, we're doing wrong? I mean, how do you go about Kind of identifying and getting agreement on, yeah, that's where we're we're challenged today. Is is that a problem when you're out there with, work with companies?
0: Yeah. So the first thing we do is we 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 identify who are the key stakeholders at, from leadership across the different functions. How are we doing it today? And we we look for those symptoms that we talked about before. We get agreement, we meaning the 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 company. We need to get agreement on on where our challenges are now. We use a maturity model where we can kind of work with a company to say, "Okay, here's what you're good at and here's where there's room for improvement. So there's that gap analysis between understand the current state and how things are working today, uh, understanding the difference. So, for example, there might be very ad hoc decision making or very informal decision making processes so, how do we get to more of a dis we need to improve that and have more of a decision-focused portfolio review with a regular cadence, with clear priorities that are formally revisited. Uh, and then when we get good at that, we want to be able to have more of a real-time, real-time roll-ups and different scenario planning. So there's different levels of maturity. Yeah. It's tough to go from a level, you know, a stage one to a stage four. So you want to progress. And let's get good at the basics, the fundamentals, before we take on some of the that and some of that advanced capability over time. But it does absolutely start with uh, understanding where we are today, where we want to be. So un- get, developing a common understanding of what that yeah. what good looks like, what that future state looks like, identifying the gaps. The other thing we look at is the level of effort to make these changes relative to the impact. So um, yep. we 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 actually plot out. You know, on one axis, you can envision what is the impact this capability will bring us, and then another axis: how hard is it, or how how much effort is it going to take? And when you do it that that way, you can you can figure out where are the quick wins that we can implement, get some impact right away, and what are the things that are more strategic that are going to take longer and are going to be more transformative, but it's it's going to take more time to develop that because it's it's completely new to the organization. So developing that understanding and then roadmapping out and getting alignment around a time-phased plan, what are we going to do in year one, year two, and year three? When are we going to layer in some tools to help automate some of some of these practices? So once you have agreement on that implementation roadmap, that becomes kind of the, the go-to way to communicate and set expectations for that improvement journey. And then it's about, about rolling out the basics. And as you're working on getting good with that, like I say, layering in some of the the more advanced capabilities over time. But you don't want to do too much too fast. Uh, This discipline can get very complex very quickly. So you want to definitely take a measured approach to that. And that's the purpose of of roadmapping it out.
1: Yeah. I think that's very wise, you know, that you have to understand the value of each piece. uh, So you know what you're trying to achieve. And like you said, Start slow, start small, get some value, then continue on and get some more value. And if you understand the value of any of those eight or nine dimensions you spoke about, then that helps you assess and achieve progress and make people recognize, yeah, we're making progress, right? I think that's really good. Some of the keys to
0: success are, you know, we we talked about get started and get better. You know, try to do it all in year one. Learn the mantra, complexity is the enemy. So avoid complexity. Keep it simple, because yeah, right. adoption is what's important. I don't care with any with any new process. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's not being used. And in this discipline, you want to make sure the uh, people understand what's in it for me, and you want to make sure that they understand the value. So when you do roll out a, a, a the, these improvements, that it gets used, and just understanding this is a management discipline. It's it's mm-hmm. it really there process and the the tools that support the process are important but the hardest part is the behavior change you're asking leadership instead of just making object you know decisions kind of subjective decisions with their gut and and favoring you know the CEO's pet project you're asking them to use real evidence to use real agreed upon metrics to make those tough decisions about what to do and what not to do and that's a discipline and that's that's difficult for For leaders in a lot of cases, this this discipline, uh, unlike many others, it can be very political Mm because portfolio decisions cut across functional boundaries and it threatens power and control for certain uh, leaders. This is a cross-functional process. Uh, So if I'm the manager of of one function, I don't want to give up my resources to that higher priority project. That's where the process will start to break down. So this is, this is really cross-functional because, uh, as we know, innovation product development is inherently a cross-functional process. So this kind of pulls it all together and we need to make decisions what's best for the company based on what our strategy is, what we said we would do, versus yeah. one functional silo favoring what they want to do over over another.
1: Yeah, that's pretty wise advice. And, and I think the other thing I liked is, you know, some companies, not all companies, some companies are of a the size, they're big enough. That they really are separate businesses. Uh, you might have a, a company with aerospace in it, and then the same company might have a consumer home product or 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 some other very different type of business, and that would be really difficult, I would think, to try to do portfolio management the same way, the same rigor, the same cadence in those two may what might be radically different types of businesses, and yet at some level. That collection of these individual businesses is a portfolio in itself.
0: Yeah. So, what you're bringing up is why we spend some time on what I call portfolio structure. So, mm-hmm. in large companies, there might be, I'm working with one company that you have your corporate layer, then you have your segment yeah. layer, but each segment has multiple business units and each business unit has yeah. multiple product lines. So, it's important yeah. to find what governance looks like at each layer in that corporate, yeah. in that large hierarchy. But when you have business units that are completely I- independent, where they, they're going after different enough customers and their product lines are different enough, you might have dedicated resources. More often than not, though, there's some overlap across business yeah. units and they often they share the same support resources. So when when are shared resources across business units, then that's where it becomes tough to you have to. Prioritize projects so that you're making sure that you're assigning those shared resources to the the highest value projects, regardless of what business unit is. So yeah. you might want to have a segment level priority in that case. In mm-hmm. most cases, though, the, you want to govern where your resource allocation decisions are made. Typically, mm-hmm. at the business unit level. Yeah. So at the business unit level, there's a cross-functional. The business unit owns the different resources in that business unit, and that that, that's where the resource allocation decisions are made. So that's where the governance will be. So the leadership of that business unit will be the ones that are the portfolio decision makers. And within that construct, you'll have different functions that are resource owners that have to allocate resources within that business unit. The point is, you know, and they'll have their own set of priorities. But under that business unit, there might be multiple product lines and you have to have evaluation criteria for each of the product lines and you have to you have to decide you know, which product line is going to get the resources, and right. that again is dependent on which your strategy is. And then there's your sustaining function. So where the prioritization criteria might be more about cost reduction or compliance right. risk, and making sure so you have different criteria depending on the objectives of that strategic bucket. Whereas a product line, the decision might be made on revenue or, or sure. contribution margin or an yeah. ROI metric or a strategic fit metric. So you have yeah. different metrics depending on how you structure your portfolio. So all of that mapping, that architecture has to be thought through up front. And then you can start defining what are the criteria we're going to use to cascade uh, the highest levels of strategy down to the segment level, business unit level, and then the product lines who have to yeah. be staffed on different projects.
1: Yeah, that's really, that's really good, Noel. So can, you're kind of talking about... Experiences that you bring in, uh, templates is probably the wrong word, but but structures and approaches. You mentioned maturity guides. You you, you have you have tools that you can uh, bring in to help companies work through those eight or nine nine different dimensions you were talking about. So,
0: I, uh, yeah, there, there's I a lot of this comes from decades of of lessons yeah. learned on uh, making, <laughs> making my own mistakes and along the way and, and learning from those. You know, so, so for for example. I learned fairly early early on after seeing too many companies that when you go, I sit in on portfolio reviews, kind of coach the leaders on those. And when it resembles a kind of a, a status update, where you kind of march the project right. teams into the portfolio view, they give their red, yellow, green charts, and and they give an update on the project, and you walk away from the meeting and say, okay, what did we what did we agree on? If we just it was just it was just making leadership feel good that they're up to date on, on what the projects were were going, and yeah. and make give them a comfort level that they're they're making progress, as opposed to let's break up the meeting into let's have an analysis team that crunches the numbers and understands, okay, we need to go into the portfolio review with a set of recommendations that the leaders will then decide on. We need to reprioritize our projects because this thing happened out in the market that we didn't expect. So this project that that was our number one priority is now not as valuable anymore and we wanna lower that priority and move up the priority of this other thing that's more important. And uh, we want to make sure that we're, we, you know, we're not overcapacity, and, and make sure that we're we're not working on too much, so we can we can uh, make sure our throughput doesn't suffer, like we talked about earlier. So there's a number of dimensions, but it starts with a recommendation, and you should come out of yeah. that portfolio review with a clear decision. Okay, here's what we're going to change in terms of our strategic priorities. Here's the new set of priorities for the the projects that are in our portfolio. Here's some of the the projects that we're going to cancel because they're no longer a high priority and we want to divert those resources to a higher priority, higher value project. So there's, you're coming out of the the portfolio with a set of actionable decisions.
1: Yeah. I think that is probably the one piece of advice that resonated the most with me is don't go into one of these meetings and just give a status and walk out with no decision. Come in with a a problem, a challenge, let the, the stakeholders in that meeting understand it and then seek the decision, and then move on. I, I like that; it's a good way to summarize uh, uh, what you got to do.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the things we do is we work with, with leadership. What are the questions that you should be asking at a typical portfolio review? And there's some that have to do with strategic alignment: is the portfolio of projects we're investing in is it in align is it still in alignment with our strategy? Uh, are we yeah. comfortable with the amount of risk we're taking in our portfolio, either technical or business risk? Then there's yeah. your growth objectives. So. You know, show me the chart that shows are there any gaps between what we're we've agreed to work on and our and our and our revenue goals two or three years or four years out? Um, are there any disruptive threats in the market? Are there things we need to do to make sure that we have a consistent stream of projects that we're delivering to our customers and are solving their problems? And then investment allocation. You know, does the portfolio have the desired mix of across different project types or growth horizons? What if we load the new projects that are proposed? What is it going to do to our pipeline capacity? And then the prioritization questions, you know, do we have we clearly communicated the priorities? Uh, do we have the sufficient resources to deliver the current list of approved projects? Should we delay or kill projects to reallocate resources to higher value projects? Yeah. So these are the typical questions you want to ask in a portfolio review to trigger the right discussions and yeah. ultimately the decisions that we talked about.
1: Well, that was a great, great overview, great discussion, Noel. I mean, we could spend, as you know, this is not a a thirty minute discussion. This is a, a long, many days discussion. But thanks for thanks for joining us to just kind of cover it at a high level as much as we can do right now. Really, you brought a lot of things for for people to think about and 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 you know just kind of run through their own organization and start to see how they align to some of the things you've been talking about. Is there any last minute point you wanted to make? Just, I think
0: we, I think we, we emphasize the the importance of, of this and how it's changing. So, so yeah. as we as we go further in into this this market, this downturn, um, I think companies, if they haven't already, they are going to be rethinking their strategies and and just making sure that you have the the mechanisms for making sure that any change in strategy filters down to the projects that you're prioritizing in your portfolios and that you have a disciplined process for doing that. There I think go. that's going to be more important than ever. I'm seeing that for my clients. That's going to be very important in the years, in the next few years before the, the good times return.
1: <laughs> there you go. Well, that was great, Noel. Uh, appreciate that. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks, Paul. Enjoyed it as always yeah there will be the links in the show notes uh, those of you who have listened to Noel before you know that he's active on LinkedIn so you can reach him that way he does publish some, some really good insightful things in LinkedIn so watch his feed and uh, and reach out to him if you want to go further and, and discuss this more uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's got a tremendous wealth of experience to help you out I wish you all a great week ahead thanks for joining me take care everybody bye for now Thanks for joining us this week for Innovation Talks with Paul Heller. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For additional information on today's topic, check out sophion.com, S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com, where you will find plenty of innovation-centric content and corporate best practices. If you'd like to discuss anything with Paul or would like to get in touch with the show, email us at talks at sophion.com.